day I got to Africa when I got word that she had stepped in an ash hole during a, during a funeral, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing the same thing I did, you know. <laughs> I just didn't know she had broken her ankle at the time, and, and then the laughing stopped, but uh, it, it's still kind of funny in, in a way. It, you know, <laughs> we're still laughing at the devil, aren't we? Because his, his attacks are futile. And uh, uh, we serve a king who, is, who has already won the battle. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Laugh. We'll laugh at him and we'll laugh with the Lord. <laughs> because uh, his time is, is coming soon. It is short. And uh, we got to be about the work of the business of the kingdom. Um, because there's, there's a night coming when no man can work. So let's, let's be people of the day and not people of the night. But I was thinking, uh, the Lord gave me a word uh, uh, to share with you a couple of days ago and also today, this morning. I want to read from Psalm 133, and, and of course you all know this. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in, together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the, upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forever. And praise God, you know, when we get to come to this place, Paul and I are, 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 are we're so welcomed, and we feel like we're at home. We have so many home churches, and this is one of them, because of the love that is here and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we, we enjoy each one of you. We enjoy the, uh, some of you, uh, some of y'all we know a little better than others, you know, just, and especially me through the, through the pastor's meeting on Tuesdays. But, you know, uh, this is a great church, great group of folks, and, and I hope you appreciate what you have in the Lord and what you have together um, in his name and continue uh, to, to go on with God. Continue to do the things that you're doing and to be the people that you are uh, because God has blessed this church and he's blessed. And, and I'm not talking about a building when I talk about church, okay, guys? I'm talking about y'all, the people of God. And I, I feel like the Lord has a word for some of the young men out here uh, today. Um, Alan, I'm going to start with you. You know, the, uh, I feel like God is saying that uh, you've been through some tough seasons and uh, you've stood up to, to the devil. You've stood up to uh, the spirit of unbelief. You've come against it, and, you've stand, and, you, and you and your family have stood strong. And because of your faithfulness to the Lord and, and, and uh, his, his, your belief in him and his goodness, that he's going to take you out of that season soon. I, I don't know when. Maybe you're already out of it. But I feel like that's happening, and that's going to happen soon for you all. And you're going to see the blessing of God in many different ways. And boys, you're part of that blessing. Uh, guys, you know, you, you know, you young men out there, you're the generation of the righteous during this, this, this time. Uh, you're going to be lights in a dark place. And, and God wants you to, to just uh, live out your life, but live it with him. Because there's, apart from him, there is no life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. If you can find someone that's better to follow, let me know, and I'll follow him with you. But uh, there, there isn't. You know, he's it. 
And uh, so don't be ashamed of, of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So God bless you guys. And uh, I'm sure that word is for others here, but uh, I, I just saw the Lord speaking to you all uh, this morning. And uh, <clears throat> a few days ago, the Lord kind of impressed upon my heart something that uh, I've come, come full circle um, Back in, in, in my earlier days, as a college student, I was uh, involved in the Navigators, which is a campus Christian group. And uh, you guys, can you turn this off for now? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver a, a little word first before dessert. And uh, for some of you, it'll be just like chocolate milk. Others, it'll be meat. But, you know, that's uh, I'm just giving you what God's given me. So... But the Navigators were a group that were really, really stressed the Word of God, and uh, particularly the the scripto or or the grapho, the engraved uh, Word of God that's uh, that's written. And uh, <clears throat> as a result, you know, I, I gained a, a fairly good base uh, in in my knowledge of the Scriptures, and and uh, therefore the power of God as well. Um, but the Lord has, has shown me this past week that the attitude of the church has, I believe, slipped a little bit um, when it comes to the Word of God. That we, we embrace uh, the prophetic, we, we embrace signs and wonders, we embrace uh, evangelism and deliverance, and all those things are, are wonderful. And they're part of living the gospel of the kingdom of God. And we want, to, we want to demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom, which is not just about words, but it's about power. It's like Paul said. And uh, uh, anything you want to know about the gospel that pertains to us as believers, you know, you can find in the, the writings of Paul. Um, and much of the gospels as we know them today were actually under the old covenant. But that doesn't mean that the words of Jesus are any less uh, valid or important to us today. Uh, because they are. Philippians 2.5 says this, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is writing about the humility of Christ and his desire to submit to the Father and to the will and purposes of God for his life and to become a bondservant and, and suffer and, and learn and suffer because of, uh, because of his, his plan, which was to die for man. But I want to just stop there at verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, as it relates to his attitude about the word of God. And Jesus had a, a particular attitude about it too, didn't he? And I, I want to ask this simple question. What was Jesus' attitude toward the scriptures? What did he think about him? What priority did they have in his life and in his ministry? And how do we know? You know, it's a simple question, and, and, and in some ways it is very basic, but understanding the answer can really challenge our socks off. I remember days growing up in the American Baptist Church when I was in uh, Livonia, Michigan. 
where we had, you know, Sunday school and Christian education. And even before I was a believer, you know, we were learning about the, the Word of God and about the stories of the Bible and about Jesus. And the Word of God had a, had a, a, a preeminence in, in, in the life of the church. But nowadays, uh, you know, there, there is, I believe, uh, without being critical, you know, because no one can bring any condemnation against us, can they? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. But we can receive correction and chastisement. And one of God's greatest gifts to us is chastisement or correction. Because it helps us. It helps us get on the path of life, which he has for us. And Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth, Father. Thy word is truth. So before we uh, look at where Jesus intersects the word of God, I want us to acknowledge something. And this is what's written in uh, the very first chapter of John. You know, the purpose of John's writings were... To, uh, that, that we should know that about Jesus, that he's the Christ, the son of the living God. That was the whole purpose of, of his, his gospel. And John 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on to say that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. Jesus, full of grace and truth. But he is the living word of God. Colossians 1 says that he is the exact representation of God himself in the flesh. And uh, the meaning of word (laughs) means something which represents something else, doesn't it? If you you ask for the definition of word, well, a, a word describes something. Describes an action, describes a person, a place, a thing, you know, a word. That's what words, words do. They bring meaning to, to things. Jesus is the exact representation of the Word of God. He is the living Word of God. And uh, uh, so this we need to understand before we look into the written Word because, you know, Jesus uh, said to the Pharisees, he said, you guys search the Scriptures because in them, they give testimony of me. But you refuse to come to me that you might have life. So if we get anything right, we need to get that Jesus is the word of God. He is the living word of God. The living, the living, the God, God in the flesh. He is life itself. And so before we, we you know, turn our eyes and attention uh, from him, not that we will, but uh, and and focus on the written word. We need to realize who the living word is first, because if we don't get anything else, we need to get that. Okay, let me go into uh, uh, some of the details of, of what I want to share with you. Um, Luke chapter four, verse four, eight, and ten says this, and most of my scriptures taken from Luke in case you want to follow along. This is the first instance we see Jesus quoting Scripture. And he does so in a very specialized way with a very special purpose. Why? Well, he's, he's at his weakest point in the flesh, probably, 
that he ever was, aside from uh, the passion of Christ. But at, at this point, he's fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. He's traveled in the desert. He's alone. He's hungry. He's emotionally deprived. He's physically challenged. And just like the devil will do in our times of weakness, he comes on Jesus and says, Hmm, you're the son of God. How come you're starving? You know, why don't you turn these stones to bread? He's he's challenging Christ's identity, of course. And Jesus says, uh, he says this. He tells the devil that the very grapho or engraved word of God says that man does not live by bread alone but every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus had, had it all. Like he said to Peter, I can call down 12 legions of angels now and, and get delivered from this, but how are we going to fulfill the scriptures? And, and so Jesus, he, he uses the written word of God to come against the devil. You think of all the weapons that are available to him, uh, the angels, the, uh, just the spirit of God who could have evaporated the devil right there in his place. He, as the son of man now, not the son of God necessarily, but the son of man, finding himself in the position as a man on the earth, he uses the tool which is at his disposal that's going to best contradict the words of the enemy. Now remember, the enemy's a liar and the father of lies. And and the truth is in the word of God. So Jesus uses the written word of God to combat the devil. Of course you guys all know that. But I'm just trying to build up a case here about what his attitude was toward the scriptures and thereby glean something for ourselves in this case. In Luke 4.17, Jesus announces his public ministry and quotes from Isaiah 61. And, and uh, of course, you all know that passage also. Uh, Jesus uh, says that, uh, let, me, let me turn to it. Um, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to declare the favorable year of the Lord. And he leaves out in the day of vengeance of our God. Now we can quote that, but he wasn't there for that purpose. He wasn't there to judge the world. He was there to save it and to show the grace of the Father, to, point, to portray the Father's face in the light of the truth and the grace of God. <clears throat> Did you have to ask yourself, why didn't he just stand up and say, hey, guys, Messiah's here. I'm the son of God. I've come from heaven. I've come to give you life, life abundantly. Believe in me. You know, why, why didn't he just do that? Because everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God is life. And he's God in the flesh. So he could have said that. But he didn't. <laughs> He spoke from Isaiah 61, the prophetic word that was established back 400 years before that time. Amazing. 
Or maybe I think it was 600 years, actually. But what's a couple hundred years between friends, huh? He always used the scriptures to support any claim he made or any dispute that he had or any revelation of truth that he wanted to bring. In Matthew twenty two twenty nine, he says to the Sadducees, you know, you guys are mistaken. Why? Not understanding the scriptures or the power of God. Wow. Not understanding the scriptures nor the power of God. And he's talking to people that memorized the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, you know. <laughs> what do you mean we don't understand the scriptures? You know. Because they were tied up in religious religiosity rather than in union. God's all about union. Jesus is about union, not even relationship. Relationships can dissolve, but union can never dissolve. When two items become chemically connected, in this case spiritually connected, they can never be separated. In fact, as God sees us, he doesn't see us as a, a separate limb or you know, as uh, something under the blood. He sees us as literally little Christ ourselves. He sees us as himself in us. Wow, what a wonderful thing. Luke ten twenty six says, A man asked him and, uh, what he had to do to inherit eternal life. And, you know, Jesus just said, What? Well, believe in me. It's yours. No, he says this. What's written in the law? What's written in the law? How does it read to you? The man answers to love God and to love my neighbor. And Jesus said, yes, do this and you shall live. He's always using the scriptures. Luke 10, 46 says, when Jesus got aggressive with the money changers in the temple, he used the scriptures to, to defend himself. He doesn't have to defend himself. Whatever he does is righteous. He has the heart of the Father. And he has the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so whatever he chooses to say, but he only does what he sees the Father doing. He only speaks the words that he hears his Father speaking. So even in the midst of his aggression, he, 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 is, he is defending his actions with the word of God. Because the word says that my house should be a house of prayer for all the nations. But you guys have made it a den of robbers and thieves. You know, this is what you've turned it into. Finally, uh, the last verse I'm going to use is Luke 24, 44. Jesus says that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Why? Uh, let me go back to Matthew five seventeen. Do you think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets? I did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. Ooh, not a single stroke of the pen of the letter, you know, no, jot and tittle will, will pass away until what? Heaven and earth go away or all things are accomplished. And when Jesus said it is finished, all things had been accomplished in the law. He accomplished them. They were all fulfilled in him. Okay, how do I explain his attitude? 
You know, as I read these instances of uh, Jesus addressing the scriptures, I saw his attitude, the word could be summarized in, in, under these four categories. He saw the scriptures as the final authority on every subject related to life and to God. He saw the authority of the scriptures. Why? Because his father was the one that prompted them to be written this way. His father gave the law. His father inspired David to love him and to worship him with the Psalms. His father inspired the prophets to write what they wrote as they heard from the Spirit of God. The scriptures were the final authority on everything related to life and God. He saw the scriptures as powerful, written and spoken. The scriptures had power, power to defeat the enemy, the power to raise the dead, the power to bring about the resurrection of, de- uh, of, of himself. He saw the scriptures of that which testified of him. The scriptures testified of Christ. He reverenced the word of God just as if the Father had spoken it directly to him. So, consequences of his attitude toward the scriptures. Well, number one, obviously he memorized the word of God and meditated on its deeper meaning. And I think that's important because the Pharisees had the superficial aspects of the word of God. You know, they, they knew the word. They knew you weren't supposed to work on Sunday and this and that, you know. But like Jesus said, Jesus took the superficial and brought out the deeper life and treasure that was in the word of God. He said, you know, guys, the Sabbath was meant for man, not man for the Sabbath. You know, the Pharisees didn't get that. Why? Because they didn't have life. Jesus had life, and he was explaining life through the scriptures. Um, he knew how we number two. He knew how we he must live and minister in order to fulfill his destiny as the Son of God. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus told Peter to put his sword away. How was the scripture to be fulfilled if he did not submit? to the evil purposes of man. He chose to speak the written word to defeat his enemy, the devil. As I mentioned earlier, in the wilderness, Jesus used the authority of the written word to defeat the devil during personal times of temptation. Whereas he used his personal power through the Holy Spirit and authority as Christ to cast out devils from people. When Jesus walked on the scene, the devils would say, We know who you are, the Son of God. Have you come to torment us before the time? Jesus didn't waste time discussing with his enemy. He took authority over his enemy. And he, in a sense, he did use the word of God because he is the word of God. But he didn't use the script, though, did he? Interesting. He said, Be gone, devil. Don't come back. Get out of this boy. Get out of this man. Oh, can we go into the pigs? Well, okay, go into the pigs. But uh, only out of his grace. 
And so we, we need to learn and, and discern the times when, when Scripture is appropriate to, to declare and, and to, to speak and other times when you need to walk in the authority which God has given you. And you take authority over the devil. You know, in Africa, I have the opportunity. Well, here we also do. But it's just so more pronounced over there because you're in a situation where uh, you're walking into enemy territory and the enemy just isn't going to bend over and, and, and bow and, and say, here, these people are yours, you know. I, I understand that. You're here to, to take the people uh, to deliver the captives and, you know, and, and to loose the prisoners and, and the oppressed that we have under us right now. Here they are. Go ahead. Take them. You know. No, you've got to take the land. You've got to take the people. You've got to take the authority that Jesus has given you as a servant and as a child of God over your family, over your friends, over your schools, over your community, over sickness and disease, you know, the, the power is there. But what we sometimes don't understand is the authority which God has, has given us uh, to, to operate in that power. You know, Jesus equates following his word or the word of God as, as with being his disciples. Uh, Jesus said, that, and you shall know the truth, uh, if, if you obey my word, then you shall know the truth and you'll, sh- and you'll prove to be my disciples. And he also said that, uh, uh, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free because he is the truth. He is the word of God. So if you don't, in other words, if you don't know the truth, if you don't know his words, then, then not only can you not be free, but you cannot be his disciples as well. Being a, uh, a disciple is tantamount to knowing and to operating in the word of God. If you don't know the truth, then it's only the truth that you know that will set you free, isn't it? You know, And we, I know you've heard that before. I, I got the same source from him. You know. <clears throat> so how are we to respond to Jesus' attitude toward the scriptures? What does it mean for us? How is it relevant to our practical lives? And, you know, I want to leave that for you to decide yourself. Because, you know, we're not going to paint, uh, you know, 88 laws and put them on the door, you know, to tell you how to live the Christian life because grace living doesn't involve that. But I think that you can glean for yourself what you need to do based on what Jesus' attitude was toward the Word of God. Have this attitude in yourselves that was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, thanks. Let's uh, put up the, the slides, please. And uh, if we could turn off these lights, I'd appreciate it. Now, I said I had some dessert for you, and, and this, is, uh, this is your gift. This is your gift to the Lord because of your investment in the kingdom of God. Uh, you have opportunities to invest in a lot of things, stock market, business, um, your church, your church family, the sick, we're going to a fundraiser, and my wife and I will be investing in that, uh, just as you all will. But this is the result of your investment in Lost But Not Forgotten. 
And I want to show you what the Lord has done in the last mission trip and also uh, tell you what he has in mind for, um, for the March trip as well. Next slide, please. Uh, the Sindhu area is, is in, uh, does this baptistry uh, light come off? Let's see. Yeah. The Lord has moved a ministry west of uh, Niger and Nigeria, and I've let those guys, uh, I've left those guys to kind of be autonomous, although I provide some oversight. Um, the ministry started in Chad back in, oh gosh, uh, over eight years ago, eight years ago, over five years ago, excuse me. I started working in Ghana eight years ago, and then uh, the Lord moved me out to Chad to work in the Muslim villages there, and then we began to move west uh, into Niger. Now we've, we've planted seed across that area. Next slide, please. And uh, this is where we started in Chad, and in Mao and Bol and, and these unknown cities, I know that it's you know it's it, it's it's you know they don't have any meaning to you unless you've you've been there yourself. But uh, then we started to branch out into the southern part of Niger, uh, from Difa this area to to Gure to Gitamuni. Uh, we've we've ministered in Tawa, uh, in Agadez area. Um, then we've been there several, a couple of times and all the way up to Arlit. That's the furthest northwest we could get without the military getting in our face and, and telling us not to do it. So the Holy Spirit has stopped us at this point. Um, we made it to the, to, the, to the foothills of Mount Bagazem, the Ayer Mountains, last year. And as soon as I got out of the 4 by 4 the Lord showed me this mountain in front of me, which was Bagazem. And I, and I said some expletive, you know, and uh, I said, Lord, you got to be kidding me. And the uh, Holy Spirit kind of answered me directly, as he usually does, and said, look, you know, you don't have to do this, but I wanted you to have the first opportunity to bring the gospel to this mountain. If you don't want the fruit, I'll find somebody else who does. And I'm like, no, never mind, you know, that, that's, that's all good. Now, I thought I was supposed to just oversee this mission, and, and now that's a, that's a whole different story I'll talk about in a second. Next slide, please. Um, we moved out to Burkina Faso, which is beautifully, uh, just elegantly situated between the Ivory Coast, Ghana, Togo, Benin, Niger, and Mali, all across this south, uh, southeastern border of Mali. It's wonderful. There are many, many opportunities for reaching unreached people groups in this area. I could spend the rest of my life just, just in Burkina Faso and uh, crossing the border into these other countries. Well, our, my first objective through the Holy Spirit was to go to the Blay, which uh, the Blay live, oh, almost uh, across the border into the Ivory Coast, right in this, this area here. So we landed in Ouagadougou, went to Bobo Dalasso, uh, rented a four-by-four, four, uh, went to Banfora, picked up a brother named Eves, who is the Jula interpreter, and uh, we took him to, uh, to the Sindhu area, which isn't on that map. Next slide, please. Uh, so we went from Banfora to the Lamana department, or it's kind of like a, a region or state, and uh, 
Sindhu was in this area here. Um, uh, Sindhu was was like the uh, the head village, and then uh, the Blay lived in Bladegu. Uh, Dugu means uh, the land of, and the first part, the ethnic part, is Blay. So it's the people of the the land of the Blay. Next slide, please. And this was our only contact, that Pastor Etienne uh, of Deeper Life and. And I owe him great debt of gratitude for giving us guys, you know, to work with us. Now, he decided later he didn't want to work with us because uh, we believed in the grace of God. And, we also, and I also wanted to do a feet washing ceremony to kind of bring the team together uh, during times of stress. But, but uh, because of those two things, he didn't want to have anything to do with us. So as a result, uh, you know, we, we don't have... Uh, you know, when, when you're rejected in Africa, it's, it's like nobody wants to talk to you. It's like you're a leper. And uh, so that, that was kind of the treatment we received. It, it's, it's kind of strange. Uh, you know, it, it, it's where culture and, and the scriptures interact and culture wins. Um, and, you know, we have those things in our culture, guys. How many people in the church do we have that are, you know, uh, young teenagers that are pregnant? How many folks who have, you know, have had abortions? How many, how many folks uh, are addicted to porn in, in this group? I mean, our culture affects the church of God. Now, when we become mature men and women of God, we will say no to those things of our culture, which are not useful and helpful. Um, these folks have not yet done that, but that's okay. We bless them anyway and, and move on. Next slide, please. The goals of the mission was to establish a working team in Burkina Faso, and we, we did find a couple of guys we could uh, rely on that are, that are going to be with us in March. Find and evangelize the Blay, the Unreached People Group, and see if God would do miracles without medicine. And, and the Lord did reach all of those goals. And just for your information, to give you the, the best part first, over 550 Muslims came to Jesus who had never heard the gospel before. And uh, you need to be excited about that because these are not folks that have ever had access to Christ before, but they're people in hospitals that we prayed for. Uh, we saw God do signs and wonders there. Um, I remember, I'll, I'll, I'll review just a couple instances with you. One is a, was a lady with malaria, and she couldn't really see, and I'm not sure if it's because of the medicine or fever or what, but I didn't know that. I just knew she had malaria, so I shared the gospel with her. She received Christ. I prayed for her, laid hands on her, and, uh, and then she started looking around the room, and I thought, hmm, what's going on with this lady? And uh, I said to the interpreters, I said, what's going on? And, and they said, well, she's saying that she can see. You know, apparently she couldn't see before. They're, they're, they didn't realize it either. But now she can see. And so uh, that was one miracle. Another was a lady who had malaria. And I said, you know what? God says that you're going to walk out of this hospital tomorrow. And, uh, um, and then, I, I, you know, I shared the gospel with them, her, her and her husband, they came to Christ. And, and while we were, we were still, lay, you know, still praying for the sick in the hospital two hours later, and, and um, the husband comes running down the hall while I was ministering to another group of folks, and, 
he said, uh, you know, he was basically telling us through an interpreter that his wife was healed. And, and so I challenged him to see if he, if he got it, you know, if he understood. I said, okay, now who healed your wife? And he pointed to me, and I said, no. I'm going to ask you again, who healed your wife? Then he thought about it in a second, and he, then he pointed up to heaven. And I said, that's right, Jesus healed your wife. So we got to see some of that stuff, which is always exciting. You know, um, the Lord told me that the reason I do what I do is um, maybe not so much out of obedience, but just out of a hunger to see the glory of God. And, and uh, honestly, I think that's right. Uh, I want to see his glory. And, and if I don't need to go to Africa to do that. We get to see it here all the time. But it's, well, it's, it's, it's fun to do it, though. Next slide, please. Uh, there's one of the guys I work with, Pastor Francis in Ouagadougou, and we're doing some street evangelism, and, and some of the Muslims uh, in Ouagadougou got saved. Next slide, please. That was before we could fly to Bobo. And this is Issaka. He was a Plan International. Originally, he said, you know, you people have challenged me, and, and I want to be involved in your mission. And I said, great, where do you want to go? He said, up north, work with the Fulani, unreached people. And I said, great, let's, let's work on that. Well, once we got rejected by the director, uh, I called him up from here after the mission, and I said, uh, you still want to go up north? And he said, well, yeah, let me talk to my director first. So, and, uh, so I never heard back from him. So he dropped out. Abdul, uh, he was very much interested. He, he was the mission coordinator for our time, 27-year-old man. He had uh, herbs palsy. Uh, meant his, he had a birth injury, and his left arm didn't work. So uh, I said, uh, Abdul, you know, how do, how do you see everything? You know, how's it going? And he said, oh. He said, you know, the Muslims want to make this country 80% Muslim by 2020. And... And then he paused and he said, lost but not forgotten is going to save our country. And, and so, you know, and, and I didn't say, oh, no, that's not right. Yeah, I wasn't going to speak against that. What if that's a prophetic word? I wanted to receive that. I said, yeah, okay, praise God. But, you know, that was his attitude. And, but, uh, you know, I haven't been able to reach him in a month. I don't know, the devil got to him, maybe the director said something to him, because I had offered him a position with uh, Lost But Not Forgotten, but hadn't heard back from him, and he's like a son, so that's, that's very bothersome to me, and, and I've been grieving over it, but hopefully God will reunite us um, uh, when we come, we'll see. Next slide, please. Okay, next slide, please. You've seen that. This is Irve. He's, he's still working with us, and he's not a member of Deeper Life, so there's no interference there. Uh, so he doesn't have a problem with working with us. He uh, is a manager of a hotel in Bobo Dialo. So next slide, please. Uh, this is our missionary associate, Dave Mohan. Uh, Dave is a, a great servant of God and uh, a humble man and uh, available. And uh, God can do a lot with people who are available. And Dave's been a big help. But, but anyway, here he is. We had a blowout uh, on the way to Banfora. And uh, this, all, this all happened as a result of the blowout. And he's changing the tire with our driver, Lara. And uh, next slide, please. And I'm thinking God was saving us from this that was just coming down the road right after that. 
the enemy probably meant for us to blow out around this place uh, when they were coming by, but, but God caused it to happen earlier. And we needed a new truck. This was not going to make it, this 4 by 4 in the places we had to go. Next slide, please. Now, there's a lot of beauty in, in parts of Africa. It's very diverse, like the United States. Uh, it has desert, and then it has tropical areas. Burkina Faso has, has it all. And uh, this is one of the beautiful areas uh, uh, near Sindhu. Next slide, please. This is a rice field. Next slide, please. This is cotton, you know. You're walking in tall cotton here. It's a good crop even by American standards. Next slide, please. Uh, this is some of the diversity, contrast of the city of Sindhu. Uh, you've got the Sindhu Mountains, which are actually a tourist attraction. I didn't know that they were even there. Um, but And then you've got the, the slums of Sindhu, uh, which uh, this is kind of the normal housing, uh, people with money. Next slide, please. Uh, typical African anthill. No, no tropical area is complete without an anthill like this. And uh, African trees, I just love African trees for some reason. You know, uh, just fascinated by it. Next slide, please. Uh, this is a hotel where we stayed at. This is where uh, Brother David uh, stayed. And here's some of the flowers in that hotel. Next slide, please. Um, the to- We did find a couple places where the toilets worked. There was running water, so that's always nice. This is a typical huts in the village of Timba. Next slide, please. And... Uh, I don't know if you can read this. It says, hey, Mohan, is this where you put my sermon notes? This is where they store grain. Uh, Next slide, please. And here we are at one of the hospitals in Banfora uh, waiting uh, to pray for the sick. And, you know, it's amazing how you can just come into a hospital, talk to the administrator, say, hey, we want to lay hands on the sick, pray for them. Would that be okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, not a problem. You know, there's so many things that are available to us in the Christian life if we'll just have the boldness to believe God and take a step forward. You know, uh, people might say to you, oh, why do you go to these dangerous places and, and that kind of thing? And I'm thinking, what danger? You know, uh, yeah, yeah, we've, we've had a, a few altercations and been arrested once or twice. But, you know, what, you know it, there, there really isn't any danger if you're in the will of God, you know. And uh, Paula may share a verse from Genesis uh, related to that. But next slide, please. Here's our team in Sindhu. This is Eves. And he left early like John Mark left the mission field, you know, because he didn't get along with, uh, with Abdel. Notice I'm having to stand between them. Uh, they, they won't stand together with each other. But Eves is available now. And Abdel's not. So he's with us. Next slide, please. Uh, this is uh, uh, the first disciple among the blaze. His name is Karimo. And uh, he was a believer before we got there, uh, one of two people in that village. And Karimo then, beca- when Eves left, Karimo became our interpreter. And so he goes from receiving Christ uh, fairly soon, re- recent, to being our interpreter with the gospel and uh, we're going to try to take him to the Ivory Coast in March. Yeah. Next slide, please. Uh, this is Dave Mohan praying for a couple of uh, uh, gold uh, miners. Yes, gold miners. There's gold in Burkina Faso. It's, it's like picking money off of trees, you know, if you can find the right spot. And, 
and uh, there's there's just so many mineral deposits of gold that, and when uh, the companies come in and they'll dig a little uh, rut in the ground about ten feet deep and and uh, certain length, and if 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 they find gold, then you'll see the the townspeople, the villagers, come out with their little pans and start panning for gold as well, and that's how they make money. Uh, this, of course, this is us preaching in, in Bladegu, and I uh, had a tr- chance to preach twice. So the total was about 150 to 200 people who got saved. But we were rushed by the mob. We were mobbed after uh, an event that happened. Um, you know, the, the elder of the village, you know, we got to Bladegu, and it had been eight days of, of harsh trial, trials, uh, Harsh travel. And uh, the first thing I did was sit down with the chief and elders, and I witnessed to the chief for 20 minutes. I said, we come here with a message of hope. Let me share it with you, and you're going to enjoy this. And then I finally said, you want to receive Christ? And he looked at his elders, started talking to them. He didn't respond to me. And uh, finally, one of the elders said, uh, you know, you Christians are Johnny-come-latelys. You know, Islam's been around for thousands of years, and which isn't true. But and uh, so I thought, there's the challenge, God. And I I pushed the pause button, asked the Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to this? And the Holy Spirit said, just just open your mouth and focus on Jesus, and and I'll give you the words. And so I said, I said, Elder, uh, not only are you wrong, but you're also irrelevant doesn't matter how long the truth has been around. Jesus is Lord, and he died for this entire world, and you need to receive him as your Savior. And I just, I just put it back on him, focused on the Lord, and that was basically the end of our conversation. But we did ask if we could pray for the sick and share the gospel, and the chief said yes. So the chief's brother heard that. Uh, next slide, please. And, uh, well, I'll tell that story now since we're on it. The chief's brother heard it, and he came over to the truck where we were just a stone's throw from the chief's place. And he walked over to us, and he bent down like this and said, you know, I have trouble hearing out of this ear, and I'm confused, and my left foot hurts. Would you pray for me? And said, Sure. I said, do you believe that Jesus can do this? He said, yes, I do. Will you receive him as your Savior if he heals you, when he heals you? He said, yes, I will. I said, okay, well, just according to your faith, I, I, I uh, lay hands on you in Jesus' name and command the devil to get out of those ears. And, you know, I don't remember exactly all I said, but <clears throat> it was a short prayer. And he got up and he said, hey, I can hear. Yeah. And I said, how's the pain in your foot? He said, there's no pain. Well, the elder is standing like we're Dorman sitting, that, that distance. He's standing that far from us, watching it. And so the next night when we have our crusade, the elder comes to the crusade and he says, you know, would you have David pray for my wife? And he said, Islam can't do this. I now know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Oh! You talk to music to the ears of a missionary, you know, 
Those are those moments, those pearls that I live for. I just, I just love to hear stuff like that. So anyway, I prayed for his wife three times and didn't see any immediate effect, but um, I believe she's healed. Now these boys, you know, we're broken down here on our way to that outreach that I'm telling you about. And I've got a, a, a net over my head. The flies are pretty bad. But these boys, I said, to, I said to Abdul, I said, Abdul, okay, we're broken down. Let's go find out what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. So we got out of the vehicle, found these boys, Flani boys, that are moving cattle through this area. And we witnessed to the boys, and they received Christ. And, and uh, I said to one of them, I said, Now, you may not want to tell your father about this just yet, because he may not react too positively when he finds out you're a believer in Christ. And uh, he said, in a very stoic face, he must have been 12, 13. You can tell by the picture. He's a little small for his age. But he said, you know what? I'm not afraid of my father. We've made our decision. Whoa. You talk about a, (laughs) you know, that was a God moment if I ever saw one. Uh, You know, we got to the area where the Holy Spirit wanted us to be. There was a man of faith waiting to receive. And God made sure that we stopped along our way so that we could could receive him, so God could receive him into the kingdom. Next slide. Of course, uh, this is where faith can be found, especially among children. And uh, many kids come to the Lord, and it's always wonderful to see them uh, make decisions. Next slide, please. These are the two boys I was talking about. Next slide, please. And this is the chief's brother who uh, got healed. Um, And I invited him to give a testimony, but but he, you know, he wouldn't do it. He was afraid. And, uh, but I uh, prayed for the crowd, and uh, I prayed for three groups at a time. It, and I said, okay, all y'all that received your healing while uh, I was praying, you come up, and I want you to tell, the, to the, tell your people about what God has done for you. So there were three women, one in each group, as a matter of fact, who came forward and said, you know, they had pain and the pain went away, God healed them. And then at that point, it was just chaos. The whole village, not the whole village, but the whole crowd of about 200 people came forward for prayer. And uh, David got to lay his hands on uh, a baby uh, who had bad fever and, and was just listless. And the baby perked up, and the fever just broke immediately. And it was a great testimony. Next slide, please. Uh, this is to prove that we were at Bladego. Next slide, please. We came. We saw the glory. Next slide, please. And most importantly, God showed up. You know, that's kind of a cool uh, representation there. I, I feel like that was an angel of the Lord. Next slide. Uh, so what's on the horizon? Next slide. Uh, what's on the horizon is is this. We're going we're gonna to go into the Ivory Coast. There's an unreached people group, that an ethnic group that extends across the border between Burkina Faso and the Ivory Coast, and they're called the Daula Jula. And the Joshua Project list says, despite the efforts of many medical missionaries and other mission groups, there are no known believers in this area. So I'm not bringing medicine this time. I'm bringing the gospel and the power of God, just like we did on this last trip. And so 
you know, and, and we're going to, you know, when people get to see and to hear the gospel of the kingdom, they respond in kind. And that's what we expect this time, is that through your prayers and through your offerings and, and investment in this ministry, we expect to see uh, God move in a great and mighty way among the Daula Jula. Because there's going to be people from the Daula Jula at the throne of God. And somebody's got to go tell them, why not us? Okay? Uh, and and it's, in the, it's situated in a good area. You know, God shut the door to the north for now. Uh, but he opened the door to stay in the south. Uh, and also a pastor we worked at it with, Chad, is in Mali right now, about right here. So we're going to try to meet him uh, somewhere along the border, uh, you know, uh, somewhere along the border or maybe into Mali itself after we finish our outreaches. He asked for a medical microscope, 200 bucks, got one. And so I'm going to see that he gets it. Um, And then James Lane, my pastor's brother, who's a technical uh, director at City Church, He's wanting to start a relationship with him. So, okay, that's, that's next. Next slide, please. Uh, this is the area. It's near Ferkesadugu. It's a long name, but uh, I figure we would stay in Ferkesadugu and then go up north. Uh, we're going to cross the border, of course, from Banfora, uh, Burkina, and then uh, stay here at night and then branch out into the villages um, you know, four villages or so is usually what we have time for. Next slide, please. Well, Musa calls me from, uh, we had just sponsored his trip to, the, to Mount Bagazem, not just the foothills, but to actually go up the mountain and find Muslim villages for an outreach in March. So he calls me and he says, uh, David, you know, the chiefs all received us. They all welcomed us. It was wonderful. It was a four-hour donkey ride, and I believe I never had the strength physically to ever do that. But God gave me the strength to do it. And uh, then he said something that just struck me, just rose up in me. This, uh, the, the Holy Spirit just did something to me. He said this. He said, David, the gospel has never reached this place. And I thought, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I've got to go. I've got to be with you. When are you going? And he said, well, last week of March, uh, first week of April. Well, guess when my trip to, to Ivory Coast ends? March 28th. We'll be back in Ouagadougou, which, uh, which is right here. And I thought, you know, I could just fly over the border to Niami, little puddle jumper, and fly from Niami to Agadez, and I'd be with you guys. And uh, so um, then I came to Paula. And do you want to tell this part of the story, Hen? Okay, can we turn the lights back on, please? Next slide, please. Okay. The, these are photos of the the foothills of Mount Bagazem. Next slide, please. Oh, go back to that slide. Okay, go back, please. Okay. See that slide there with those come, guns? Come on up here, honey. In the back. The machine gun. 
Well, the last time, is this on, I think? So the last time Dave went there, they had to have two sets of security guards to go to the base of the mountain. And um, so when he came home, he talked to him. He got a text from Moose at 630 in the morning on Friday, January 31st. And I didn't hear what he said, but it was him coming back from that trip up that mountain on that mule. And so um, I didn't hear the results. So here Dave comes back and from he had Bible study Friday morning and he's saying just what he told you, you know, and I'm listening. In my mind, I'm thinking, he's gonna go. He's gonna go up on that mountain. He's never ridden a donkey before. The last time he went he they had to have all that security. And the one of the guys that went said, You know what, you white guys don't need to come back into this area because of the danger that's there. Because that's why they had to have 18 security guards go with them. But the good thing about the 18 security guards that went with them was that um, they all got to hear the gospel. And a lot of those guys got saved. <laughs> they were captive audience. Dave said everywhere he went to the bathroom, they had a security guard. He said, I've never been to the bathroom with a security guard before. <laughs> it was kind of different, you know. So I said, well, in my mind, he's going to go. And I was I was having my quiet time when he got there, and I said, well, and he starts Googling the plane flights. Well, look at this. Well, I can land in, I'll get through with Burkina Faso at so-and-so date. And, well, look at this. There's a flight right here to here. Oh, and look at this. It only costs $200. So I'm thinking, wow, this is all kind of falling into place. And so um, I'm reading my quiet time. And then I said, well, why don't you check with Musa just to see if it's okay if white guys go back over there, you know? I mean, the government sometimes says no. And so he called Musa. He's got Musa on the phone. I'm kind of listening to that conversation, but I'm also reading my quiet time and the scriptures in the quiet time. I don't have them all written down, but, you know, it really goes around with what Dave said today. Because I'm going to make a little sidetrack. Yesterday, I was at a conference at City Church. It was called IF. And it was really great conference. One of the speakers, it was a video conference. One of the speakers was Lance Armstrong's ex-wife. And they divorced in 2003. I didn't know any of that story. But one of the words she used in, in all her turmoil of that divorce, and then what she had to go through in 2013, because they had three children together with all that drug thing that came out about Lance Armstrong, where she said, this is one of my spears. And it was Joshua 1.9. And I thought, spears? That's a great way to use, a, that's a good term for our scriptures. Because one of the scriptures I've memorized is God trains our hands for war and our fingers for battle in Psalm. And that's the spears that we use. The word of God is a spear. So back on this story then, as I'm reading the scriptures that day that went along with my quiet time, it was just amazing confirmation of, well, Dave's supposed to go, and this is the word God gave me as comfort. And as I was listening to him talk to Musa, knowing he was going to go and knowing 
up on that four-hour donkey ride up, three hours down. Can you imagine? I said, Dave, first of all, you better go get on a horse and learn how to ride a horse because he doesn't know how to. (laughs) And then Wayne Niffin had the idea, well, did the donkey have a saddle? He didn't even know that, but there is a difference in their dormant in riding. So he didn't have a saddle. <laughs> he didn't have just a saddle. A okay, so just a blanket. That's Genesis. What? Uh, let me get over here in my Bible. I've got it marked. So the one scripture, my spear, I'm going to say that now after I've listened to uh, Lance Armstrong's wife. My spear for this trip, and I want to give it to you guys. Because um, I need y'all to pray with me. This is the last scripture I read right, after, right before he got off the phone. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. It's Genesis uh, twenty-eight fifteen, And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. Isn't that perfect? I read that, and I said, oh, well, there I go. I guess Dave's going. I'm just going to, you know, read this. In fact, I've started reading it daily because I want to keep that confession out there daily for this trip because it is no one has ever been there. Right now, James Lane's going with him, but he can't stay the whole four weeks. He's got to come back. And so Dave right now is going to those mountains as the only white guy. And we need another white guy to go. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of my thoughts was, can we have another white guy go from America? Thank you, honey. Well, that's really all we we got. I, I, I just wanted to show you a picture of where we're going. I can turn this mic off. Next slide, please. You can see the mountain here in the background, and, and well, this is on top of the mountain. This is one of the precipices, I guess you call them, a, a rock wall. And interestingly enough, there's water up there. As you can see, this, this garden area. Next slide, please. I guess it'd have to be for them to live there. But take a look at this. This really is a good summary of, of what they have to deal with. Very rocky terrain. Uh, this is a path, but it's not very smooth. You can see the village in the background here with their tents and uh, probably a latrine here. Uh, very difficult life, you know. And can you imagine living this kind of life and then as you enter eternity, finding out that you weren't invested in the king? Oh, horrible. Well, we get a chance to make sure that doesn't happen. Isn't that great? Next slide, please. And yeah, this is this is what I like is is the kids and the chance to to interact with them. And so on Mount Bagazem, we are going to do some medical outreach. Uh, we're going to have something in our hands for them. Some felt need that they have is for medical care. So we're going to provide that. But we're also believing God to lay hands on the sick and that see Him extend His hand to heal. And that signs and wonders be performed in his name. Well, it's 1230. It's time to wrap this up, Pastor. So uh, I've gone too long. But I hope uh, it wasn't. uh... All right. Okay. I'm going to pray for him. But remember, we're going to go eat. And remember, get your seed to sow. 
into Africa. New souls. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Put it in special offering. Father, we just thank you for Dave, and Lord, we pray for Paula, and we just agree with her on that word that he's going to go and he's going to come back. And Lord, we just ask you to make the way, and, and Lord, we just ask you to put that bubble even around the part that he sits on the donkey. We ask you, Lord, just to make it comfortable for him that he'll, he'll be able to go up and come down without any problem, and the gospel will be preached in all the world as a witness. And we thank you that this is just another area that's got to be preached fit. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.